You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. Okay, yeah? Thanksgiving good? Yes. All right, all right, well, good. Hey, I want to let you know I am very well aware that this is not the first week of Advent. It actually starts next week. For my mentors uh, sitting over to my left, your right, I want to make sure that you know that I know this is not the first week of Advent, but I felt like we needed a bridge somewhere in here. Okay, so are we okay? All right, we'll get, the, we'll get the Advent candles going next week. I just, it's kind of a weird year. So December 24th, you get the two for one. You get the fourth week of Advent, which is at 11 a.m. in the gym. And then you get the second part, which is Christmas. Okay, all right. Are we sure we're, we're all good? Hot dog. Here we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king." And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eliud, and Eliud, the father of Eleazar, and Eliezer the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David, that's very nice. (laughs) That's unanticipated. (laughs) So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. You know, I love this passage for a Sunday after Thanksgiving. (laughs) Because you get, as this is being read or heard, who are these people? 
you know, and I wish you had this view this morning because it looks something like this. Or, and you got to wait at least 10 minutes before you do that, okay? Yeah, who are these people? I, I mean, maybe you recognized a few in the list. You saw David or Solomon or Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Hopefully you caught Jesus in there somewhere, which is always good. Maybe you were kind of next level and you saw Hezekiah or Josiah or Manasseh or Rehoboam, and you went, I know who that is. But then you get to the last set, and you go, who are these dudes? I've never heard about these people at all. What's the deal? And when you read this passage, it doesn't have the wonder of all kinds of Christmas magic at first glance. I mean, it's not like a fourth quarter comeback, you know, where the right team wins and we put our L's down and all that kind of stuff. What's the deal with this? Why are we even bothering reading this? And what's it going to do with my life? How is God going to change my life today? What about the everyday grind? What do we do with that? I mean, this is the passage of the stuff of going to school, to work, taking care of your family, loving your spouse well, serving other people, Inviting somebody to church, showing up Sunday morning, the Sunday morning after Thanksgiving when you're six pounds heavier and you're going, please, God, give me a miracle. <laughs> yes? It's in here. I promise you, you don't think that it is, but just wait. See, that's where we encounter the wonder of God's providence, that all of life from big to small is under the providential care of God. God is guiding this creation, by his grace, his wisdom, his power, and all of life from the big things to the small things are being guided by this providence. He's as much at work, and perhaps we could make the argument more so at work in the small things than he is in the big things in our lives. Do you believe this? Hmm. Maybe even better yet, do you live like it? And you see, there's really two different ways that you can approach this universe and, and the way that we live within it. It's either that this universe is, is created and existing in unguided chaos, and really the most important thing to do is exist. And so if I take from you, and if I get and you don't, and I'm here 10 minutes longer than you are, then I win. Or you can recognize there's a different story, one that says God is guiding this creation, this universe, toward its ultimate divinely intended destiny. It's simply two choices, guided or unguided creation. Chaos or divine providence. That's it. Those are the only two choices you get. And so with it comes a whole lot of implications, I suppose. I imagine we have to start with the fact that not only does God have desires and a plan for the universe, but even more, we have a human free will component that goes with it. We can either choose to participate in God's will, his plan, his providence for creation, or we can choose to reject it. We can choose God's will and God's way and saying, yes, all right, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow your plans, your desires for creation. I'm in. And when we obey it, we talk about that as being a sense of living in God's will. Or we can choose to reject it. And we say that's living against God's will. And the good news is whether you choose to accept or reject God's will, God's plan, God's providence, in the end, God's going to get his way either way. 
That's part of what makes God God. In the end, he's going to divinely guide all things to their divinely intended destiny. The wonder of it along the way, though, is that God would take our fallen, sinful, broken choices and somehow use them not only for our greater good, but for the greater good of creation. Now, that's something truly miraculous and wonderful, yes? And sometimes the beauty is God will even take the terrible decisions that we make, completely supersede uh, our free will, and bring about his divinely intended destiny anyway. There was a student in a famed pastor and theologian, J. Vernon McGee's class once, who was debating with him in the middle of class about God's way. And let's face it, God's ways are a little different sometimes, and they don't necessarily align with our ways. Have you ever experienced that in your life? Absolutely. And so this student was sparring with J. Vernon McGee, and he listened intently and patiently. And then as sort of a wise rabbinic sage, he said, well... God has a way. This is God's universe. You might have a way, but you don't have a universe. (laughs) Yes? And guys, especially, we know this to be the case. We have experienced God's providence over and over again. How many of us are still here from being adolescents? This is the proof of God's providence. How many poor decisions did we make as testosterone surged through our veins? Like driving too fast or jumping off bridges into streams or whatever it might be. We made all kinds of terrible decisions and yet by the providential care of God we're still here. And even more so, God's providence is so powerful, he unites us with these wonderful people who remind us that, honey, you're not that young anymore. She's sitting over there in the green sweater. I'm thankful for her every day. That's God's providential care. We experience providence over and over again in our lives. We made a bad decision, and yet we're still here. We made a decision for the wrong, and yet God used it for the right. And it happens over and over again. And that brings us back to our scripture today. And the providential care of God in Matthew chapter 1, when we read the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That word genealogy is the same word which we get our English word Genesis from. God's beginning something new in the long-standing history of how God has providentially cared for all of creation. And you look at the list of leaders that God has given along the way. Wow. Like Abraham being part of this plan from the very beginning. This man who heard the voice of God whom he didn't know that said, Hey, I want you to leave your father's house, your father's God, your your father's culture, your father's land. I want you to leave every single possible thing you could ever know. And I want you to go to a place that I show you. And if you go there, I promise you, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your descendants, although you don't have a single one of them right now, they're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I'm going to bless everybody who ever comes along because of you in this act of faith. Wow. Or I think about David, the great military strategist and greatest king in all of Israel's history, the man who is after God's own heart is part of this lineage. I think about Solomon, who had the wisdom to pray, God, I don't want anything else but wisdom, and give me wisdom that I might lead your people in the right way, in the way that Israel rose to prominence and power. 
I think of the great reformers like Hezekiah and Josiah who had the guts and the courage to say to the people who had run far astray from God, we're not going to stand for that anymore. And we're going to live on the power and in the purposes of God. Return with me. Or the great uh, builder of the temple again, Zerubbabel, who after they had been exiled, he rebuilt the temple and they started over. All of these great leaders are part of God's providential care for not only Israel, but for all of creation and the wonders of the providence of God can be seen in these faithful leaders throughout the lineage of Jesus. But how many of us know that even the greatest of plans have problems along the way? Now, we'd think that that's unguided chaos, the challenge of people who don't always follow the plans of God. There's sin and struggle and fear and failure. There's hurt and there's heartache. And you can't miss it in the story You might think about Judah, who's part of the lineage, who sold his own brother Joseph to some Ishmaelite traders for not much money. Or you might think of the story of Tamar, whose husband died and it was the requirement of her father-in-law to provide descendants who would not only care for her but provide for her along the way. And when he refused, she had to trick him. The NC-17 version of the Bible And sure enough, she did. And along came Perez and Zerah. That's part of the story. We might think of Rahab the prostitute from the city of Jericho, who it said became either the great-grandmother, grandmother, or mother of Boaz. Or the story of Ruth the Moabite. And realize the Moabites weren't loved. They were hated. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 23 tells us that no Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. It's the Bible's way of saying, don't you dare forget this. And yet somehow, Ruth is part of this lineage and God's providential care. And just so we don't miss it, of course, there's Solomon by the wife of Uriah, which is Bathsheba, just in case you missed it. And so David sent for her, and he slept with her. And along came Solomon, and he sent her husband to the battle line to die. There's plenty of ugly things along the way in God's story, in his providential care, ugly things that people have chosen of their own free will to do, and yet God is navigating the circumstances. We might remember Solomon. He had 700 wives. Rumor has it, the guy was busy. (laughs) Or even the greatest of leaders, how they failed. Abraham, who was faithful and followed God to this new land, We forget about the story of how he also gave Sarah to Pharaoh for the evening one time. Or we might remember David and Bathsheba. But along the way, when people failed, we remember God's providential care. And in that, we find great hope. The hope for me, the hope for each one of us, is that there's hope for us Uncle Eddie's along the way. Because we all have these moments of great faith and great faithlessness. Are you with me? We all have moments we'd rather take back, trades for Winnebago's that we shouldn't have made. And yet God uses them all providentially and supernaturally along the way. I'm reminded of this verse from the book of Romans, which encourages us in this. 
We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that's how it works. People misuse free will, and God providentially intervenes to still bring about the divinely intended destiny for all of creation and for our lives. Such is the case of St. Patrick. St. Patrick was abducted when he was 16 years old in Ireland and forced into slavery. And he found freedom. Back in Great Britain, he realized that God had called him to go back to Ireland and serve the very people who were his captors. And because of his faithfulness in doing so, God providentially and supernaturally brought salvation to the people of Ireland. And it forever changed not only the country, but its history and lineage in the years that would follow. This is what God does. God works in all things for good for those who are, according, who are called according to his purpose. And the rest of the story, that's the case of what happens. You look at the rest of the cast of characters, whether it's Asa or Amos, a prophet or a reformer, and then we get to the last nine names in Matthew chapter 1. Anybody ever read about these guys before? Not a chance. You won't find them anywhere else in the rest of the Bible, only right here in Matthew chapter 1. They're not preserved on a scroll. They're not lifted up anywhere else. But these group of men, nameless people, nameless families almost along the way, are used by God to bring about the birth of Christ. They probably had struggles of their own. They probably had their own grind to tend to. They're part of the plan, and they never knew it on this side of eternity. And I wonder how true that is for each one of us that we're all part of God's plan. And yet on this side of eternity, how often are we even aware of it? The way that God is going to use each one of us to bring about his divinely intended destiny. I was reminded of that this past week. I met with someone who's becoming a member this morning at uh, St. Luke. His name's Ron. Now, here's the thing. It's a new chapter for St. Luke. This will be the first person uh, who is an online attendee at St. Luke. And you say, well, that's really different. Well, Mr. Ron probably doesn't have the health to make it here every Sunday. But he's been part of this congregation for two years now. In fact, he could tell me sermons that I I'm not even sure I remembered preaching, to be honest with you. And so he's been faithfully attending. And he began to share his story with me, and it was interesting to see all of the different ways our lives had been connected, and yet we missed each other in the moment. How he was in Louisville when we were in Louisville or how he was in Danville when we were next to Danville and how he uh, was near where Mandy worked while we were in Danville. I mean, over and over again, we hear, I heard these stories about God's providence and the way that he came to be part of the family of St. Luke, albeit in a different kind of way. And it was providence that changed his life. He visited a newsstand, followed or found, excuse me, a little red book. And that little red book led him to Christ. And he had the opportunity 14 years later to meet the author of that little red book. And so, with his Bible in one hand and the little red book in the other hand, he met one of his heroes. And it changed his life. And I dare say it changed the life of the author of that book. And, friends, that's the wonder of Christmas. That's the wonder of God's providence. 
We find gaps in the story, gaps in the genealogy, problems along the way, and yet God supernaturally works in the midst of all of it. Scholars have said, well, there's a gap of 450 years here, or there might be a different ancestor that's there, but they miss the point. The point is that all along the way, God takes broken and sinful people in moments of great faith and moments of faithlessness and uses it all for good and for his glory. Because they, just like us, are all part of the family of Jesus. And in case you missed it, in that lineage are everyone from idolaters to adulterers to prostitutes and leaders and prophets and king from the greatest of Israel has to offer to nine generations of totally unknowns. That's how the providence of God works. It might take him 2,000 years to get there, but God will get there eventually. And that's what I'd love for you to start this Christmas season with. The reality that so many people were part of the divine providence of God in the world and they never even knew it. How about you? We're about 30 days to Christmas. And I wonder in what ways can the St. Luke family be out investing in other people's lives during this Christmas season? Whether it's serving or inviting or spending time with or listening to. How might God use you not only to change somebody else's life, but the life of this world? Because that's where Christmas starts, with wonder. And when we stand back and look at all of the names, that's really what we get. That God would be at work in such a powerful way to bring about the powerful life of a powerful Savior. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your providence, which uses all things for good and for your glory. And God, we recognize that uh, sometimes we are very much in tune with your will, and other times we aren't. We pray that as we start the Christmas season, the season of Advent and celebrating your coming, we pray, God, that you would change our hearts to recognize that you are at work in all things, in the the small moments and the big moments and every moment in between. Change our hearts. Help us recognize we're all part of the plan and help us live as part of that plan that changes the world and changes every life, one life at a time. This we ask in and through the name of Jesus Christ and the people of God said, Let's stand and sing together. As always, this altar is open for you.